0: I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. When you say you're going to do something, you do it. I do solemnly swear. There's no starting or stopping. Only doing. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. you got to protect it. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. In the name of democracy, let us all unite! All right. Welcome back. To the progressive patriots just me see, like I think I said it's been a while since I've been here surprising what how much you can find to do when you're putting something off uh, I <laughs> like the, uh, that intro that I cut together well, I, I thought that was pretty good but we'll see we'll see how that goes um, I have been interestingly to me it's interesting uh, I've been getting a lot anytime I post anything uh With the Progressive Patriots branding or logos or anything. I get a lot of um, enlightened... Is anarcho-centrist a thing? Is that a thing? I don't know. But I get a lot of those types uh, that are uh, telling me where I can put my... Which orifice I can shove my ideas into. Uh, Which isn't very polite, but oh well. <laughs> what's what the what's interesting? What I find humorous is it's really subtle. Um, the incorrect grammar—it's really, really subtle, but it's it's like uncanny valley. You could just it's just something about it seems off. So I started. Um, what I like is that these a lot of these people claim to be veterans as well. And that, uh, well, they, and they're like the, uh, quote unquote, both sides are the same kind of people. So it's, um, what's intriguing is that if I assume that they didn't, they don't listen to a single second of this, which I, whatever, um, but a lot of them claim to be veterans and then they're calling they're advocating for dissolving the constitution which is kind of the whole point of the oath of enlistment which is what i cut into the beginning i did it for that exact reason um so that in the off chance these um i think they're uh it's troll farms in um probably state-sponsored in china or russia one of the two just my thinking because that's what it seems like the, like the profiles are extremely generic and they give as little detail as possible which even if you're privacy minded like I am on with my personal accounts yeah it's uh, it's still strange but there you go i'm assuming that they're not listening i'm assuming i'm gonna get a lot of messages from them telling me what a fucking soy boy government shill i am or whatever whatever um if you're hearing this if you're actually listening and saying that to me that's okay actually because if you took the time to at least hear me out I'm i'm all about some uh Positive dialogue here. Constructive dialogue. So maybe tone it down and we can have some conversations. If you actually want to have a conversation. And not just, you know, fucking talk at me. Oh, it is 2340 on Monday, February 5th. Oh, man. Uh, I was expecting to come back sooner. Uh, but I haven't, obviously. But I did... Um, I did a lot of following up and this, depending on how long it goes for time will be, uh, it's, I think I'm going to keep this, uh, just oriented in Asia. Just, there's a lot of shit going down in, uh, like with the Philippines as you're about to find out. So, and of course the stuff, stuff in Taiwan and a little bit in Korea in a few other spots, but, um, let's get into the goods. All right. So there's some developments in the South Asia sea. Remember, we're not calling it, giving it the, uh, Chinese brand anymore. Um, about, that's a few weeks ago. Uh, the Philippines announced that they're going to be developing Uh, some of the atolls, the little islets uh, in the Spratly chain. And uh, they're going to be, they picked a select few because they can't do all of them at once. Uh, That was from the AFP chief. AFP is Armed Forces Philippines. Uh, AFP chief, uh, Romeo Bronner. The most notable of these islets. Is this one Uh, the Filipino name for it is Pagasa, and uh, it's known also as Thitu. I'm not entirely certain where that name came from, but uh, that little island chain. This well, this one in particular is about 300 miles west of Palawan. That's the so uh, the Philippines is uh, kind of divided into four regions since it's an archipelago. Collection of like 7,500 different islands, right? So there's the, um, what's it? Luzon is at the top, uh, Visayas is in the middle, and Mindanao is at the bottom. That's where the, like, the Muslim terrorists or whatever, Muslim separatists are at. And then Palawan is the just, it's just a single island off, way off on the left. Beautiful place. Also very poor. Uh, But, um, um, on the weekend, a civilian ship from the Philippines uh, landed on one of the Spratly islets, and uh, was—I think—they were, if I read correctly—they were there to deliver supplies for that uh, that old ship that Philippines grounded in uh, in in the Spratly chain, as to reinforce their claims of of, uh, sovereignty of the area. Okay. Let's see. Moving along. So, uh, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> if you haven't heard by now, um, Lai ching a.k.a. William Lai, of uh, the Democratic Progressive Party in the, in Taiwan, was elected president. Now, what is notable here is that the, Filipino President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. Uh, d- called, like contacted uh, Lai directly. Now, the problem with that is that China claims Taiwan as a, you know, as a territory, right? So for Ferdinand to reach out to William directly, it kind of implies that it the sovereignty claim, it affirms the sovereignty claim by the Philippines, which Given <laughs> given the uh, the way that they China and the Philippines beef in the South Asia South Asia Sea, makes perfect sense that uh, Marcos would do that. Uh, we'll uh, get into that a little bit more detail, different details, I guess, kind of tangential. Uh, what did he say? We look forward to close collaboration, strengthening mutual interests, fostering peace. And ensuring prosperity for our peoples in the years ahead. And I, I think, hedging hedging bets here. The uh, the foreign ministry released an official statement that Philippines is quote committed to its one China policy end quote. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm going to call your fucking nemesis here, <laughs> but I'm also going to say that he's a. Uh, He's a subservient to you. (laughs) Way to go. Uh, Here's, I think, a good one. Uh, Philippines and Canada. They signed a mutual defense and cooperation agreement, which is pretty cool. The pact includes uh, some education. Um, I'm not sure who to who, um, but probably cross-training. Um, some, they're going to do some personnel exchanges. Uh, they've agreed to Intel sharing and more for the Filipinos, I think is a disaster response and, uh, peacekeeping assistance, uh, from the Canadians. The, they're going to establish a, I don't know if it's SOFA, but they're having a SOFA, sorry, it's, um, Status of forces agreement. Um, so if, like an example is what like the U.S. troops that are stationed in Korea or Japan, right? So the status of forces agreement is um, how they how the host nation sort of cedes uh, a little bit of jurisdiction to the U.S. Uh, like uh, if if an American troop in particular or like a dependent is caught doing something stupid um, they are turned over to the uh, military police, not uh, taken to Japanese jail or Korean jail, which is not not a place you want to go. <laughs> um, so this one is a visiting forces agreement. I think what we're looking at here is they're going to be establishing a, I think, a regimen of joint exercises. They're going to do that cross training shit I was talking about. So the idea might be that there's going to be like a sort of a contingent of Canadian forces there to help facilitate the arriving for training Canadians. If that makes sense. Um, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Uh, I think we kind of have the same thing, and it, it, there's also uh, some allowance for uh, the Canadians to use Filipino bases instead of having to set up their own, you know, crappy camps. Because Filipinos being in the sticks in the Philippines is uh, it's not pleasant if you're not if you're not used to that kind of thing. It's uh, like even compared to the Afghanistan, that shit was fucking rough. At least Afghanistan's. Relatively dry, you know what I mean. (laughs) Philippines is not by any stretch; like the the humidity just does not stop. So even nighttime sucks. Uh, (laughs) uh, One particular keynote of this uh, VFA, or or the um, the the Defense and Cooperation Agreement, is uh, this was started on a previous like um or a, a singular uh what what do they call them like single issue voters right so they, they had a single issue agreement with uh, between canada and the philippines using a system referred to as a, a technology system not a like a like a physical ship or anything, but it's a device vessel or dark vessel detection. That's what, uh, that's what Canada was lending to the Filipinos. And it's, uh, the idea of that tech is being able to, uh, catch like smugglers or, um, uh, illegal fishing operations or, uh, uh, the unspoken part of this is like, uh, Camouflaged or uh, cloaked, hidden uh, Chinese vessels. That's also that's the, uh, the part they're not talking about, but it's a very important part of this agreement. It's definitely uh, Philippines is uh, gearing up, trying to make make friends with other people, other other nations to, if the shit goes down, you know what I mean. Speaking of which, uh, Philippines and Vietnam, they also sign. Uh, this is a maritime cooperation pact. So this one's kind of a single issue kind of thing, but, um, it's a bit more robust than just like lending technology to somebody. Um, this is a partnership between their navies and coast guards. Uh, they're looking to, uh, Cross training again, uh, some personnel exchanges I think, so that they can have easier time communicating over the radio uh, if they're you know in ships or whatever out in the out in the waters, and they will be exchanging ships actually. Um, the idea of them learning each other's you know technologies so that they can more seamlessly integrate with each other if the doo doo were to hit the fan. Um, who is this from? Um, President Marcos, a quote from him, the, and they say South China Sea, we don't, we don't say that here because we're progressive and we're patriots. We're sticking up for our homies out there. Uh, quote, the South Asia Sea remains to be a point of contention. We are firm in defending our sovereignty, sovereign rights, and jurisdiction against any provocations. But at the same time, we are also seeking to address these issues with China through peaceful dialogue and consultations as two equal sovereign states. So that's fun. Um, There is a quote here from the prime minister of uh, Vietnam. Uh, Quote, the world and regional situation is evolving in a rapid and complicated manner. And therefore we need to unite and cooperate more closely. I'm probably going to mess up this name, but his, uh, it's a fam fam mean chin. I think I did that one. Okay. Um, uh, the president, uh, Ferdinand Marcos, he met with the leader, the leadership of the, it's called the VIN group. It's, uh, the largest, you know, industrial conglomerate in Vietnam, and so they're they were talking about uh, expanding trade between Philippines and Vietnam. Um, the lead the leader like the chairman of the board or whatever uh, of the Vin Group. His name is Pham Nat Vuong. I'm I'm getting better at this. Um, right now, the current numbers are seven, approximately seven billion in annual trade between the two and they're trying to increase that to about 10. Uh, Some of the particular details of what they hammered out, I think is, I think these are good. Um, So the electronic vehicle, uh, the fucking revolutions, it's already here, baby. And uh, Philippines is trying to get in on it. Um, One thing that they're doing to develop that partnership is with philippines has um strong strong reserves of raw material that uh electric vehicle batteries and other components require um copper nickel uh, i think cobalt is another one so philippines has these raw materials uh being a little bit more uh Econ- economically disadvantaged, they have a bit of difficulty with mining. So there's going to be some establishment of uh, Vietnamese mining firms uh, building out the appropriate infrastructure, and in, you know Filipino labor to get some uh, get some uh, reciprocal back scratching. There, ha- hire on a lot of Filipinos to work at the at the mines. Uh, But there you go. Philippines and Vietnam are putting shit together. Still on Philippines here. Interesting thing that came out over the weekend was the Philippines uh, is actually in the bottom third of the press freedom, world press freedom index. 132nd out of one hundred and eighty. So, I did not catch her name. Damn it! I should have. Um, but uh, it was a U- U.N. like special envoy that assesses uh, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, that that kind of stuff. And the assessment was that the Philippines is a very dangerous place to be a journalist. Um, there have been a lot of journalists who, regardless of of uh, like if it was president duterte or marcos it's not a good place to be a journalist a lot of retribution killings uh there was also the recommendation and i think that they're going to take it is the there's a, the philippines ha- still has an anti communist task force um it it's not just like mccarthy type of stuff it's also that the communist rebellion is armed and they were they were going hard in the paint you know what i mean so um uh, president marcos has is making attempts to bring the communist groups to the uh, to the negotiating table try to broker some kind of firm and lasting peace mm. Um, so that it sounds like that has not gotten underway just yet, but the the this is actually a perfect segue. That uh initiative from Marcos has soured relations with the Duterte family. Now, specifically the uh where do, where do I got it? Right here. Um so Duterte, part of his notoriety came from the, his like summary execution squads that he would send around. Like if you are accused of drug, fill in the blank, whether you're simple possession, um, distribution, uh, simple selling, you know, like small personal amounts, or even just having, using them, like being caught high on something. And just executed on the spot. So uh, that was part of his thing. And Marcos, trying to play the reform candidate position, he uh, ran on softening those policies, and that it's not, you know, the, it's not going to cause any problems because that's not the way you handle it which i agree but um in order to keep duterte satisfied marcos brought he he ran with um uh, rodrigo's daughter sarah as his running mate and yeah so that was kind of the 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 trade of uh Like she would be the one to temper Marcos and his quote unquote like super liberal thinking, which is really dumb because he's definitely not. But so the problem we're having now is that Marcos and Duterte are starting to uh, smear each other in the media, uh, accusing each other of being like drug addicts or recreational drug abusers. So, with Duterte's very firm stance on drug use, and then uh, for Marcos to throw it back in his face, it's not good. Um, uh, sorry, I got a messenger. Let's see here. The Filipino... It's a think tank in the Philippines. It's called the Center for People Empowerment in Governance. It's a think tank. That's still a strange phrase to me, but whatever. The chair of that group, uh, Tamario Rivera, said this. This opportunistic political alliance was not meant to last, end quote, but what noted surprise that, quote, the break seems to be taking place rather very early, end quote. So that's kind of weird. Uh, uh, yeah. It, the, the expecting, not expecting it to last. I think fucking anybody who knows even a little bit about Filipino politics you couldn't. You would have seen this shit coming a mile away. Um, I was surprised that Marcos even had uh Sarah on his fucking card, but whatever. Um, one of the biggest divides that they have here is that Marcos. His, him and his sort of faction of support in the Philippines, which is the, like, Luzon, Visayas parts, uh, is more of a pro-West, pro-US, pro-Canada. Um, and Duterte is pro-China. <laughs> uh, one thing... Like I had mentioned, the Filipino government trying to bring the the uh, communist rebel uh, communist rebel groups to the negotiating table for peace. Uh, Sarah Duterte had a a lot to say about it, but uh, the this little summary right here works best. Is it's an agreement with the devil? It uh, yeah. Um, Duterte is one of those, uh, I think, I think populist definitely applies here. It's weird how, like, he's, well, it's not weird, actually, being hard-right, authoritarian type of guy, and, you know, loving China and Xi Jinping's fucking autocracy. No surprise there. Um, But in a recent, in... One of the recent uh, media appearances that uh, Duterte had he where he was saying that Marcos is a drug abuser uh, he had he started talking about the he, he's really popular in Mindanao that's the southern region that he's from his uh, his son is like the governor of the or the mayor of the biggest city and all the rest of it like the, the Duterte families are influential there and he's been calling for, the Mindanao region to CC from the Philippines. Um, It's unfortunate that this is like, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's also, you know, I, it's ironic that they're mirroring like their hard, right. Hardliners are kind of mirroring the same things that ours are here in the U.S. But the defense minister, uh, Gilberto Teodoro, he vowed to, uh, let me just give you his words here. Um, The mandate of the Department of National Defense is to secure the sovereignty of the state and integrity of the national territory as enshrined in the Constitution. We will strictly enforce this mandate, whether externally or internally. Um, yeah, the justice, the minister of justice also, uh, backed this up with, uh, saying that they would, that they stand firmly against any attempts to undermine the country's, uh, sovereign territories or territorial integrity, excuse me, and called on citizens to reject secessionist ideologies. Um, (laughs) Uh, the AFP, the chief of the AFP, uh, uh, Romeo Bronner, he was he went to visit bases in Mindanao, and he was telling the troops his words: "We swore an oath that we will always follow the chain of command, be loyal to the constitution, and duly and our duly constituted authorities. Uh, let us continue to show that with a strong and united AFP." We will have a strong and united Philippines. Um, <laughs> so there's a group, the the Muslim fundamentalists that are uh, trying to. They're a terrorist faction that operates in Mindanao called the Moro Islamic Liberation Front. That's a that's a great acronym, guys. Good one. Um, they have been. So Moro, that let me uh, kind of give a little bit of history on that. The term Moro is what Filipinos used to call themselves before uh, any of the colonizers ever arrived. Uh, so that's what a lot of like the these Mindanao secessionist types like they're the they would refer to themselves as uh, Moros, not Filipinos. Uh, and yeah, i if i recall it was like a pretty it was a delicate negotiating process for them to unite at any point and it's always been like a delicate sort of balance with uh, mindanao being a lot more muslim than catholic while the rest of philippines is very catholic but mm. i i really Cannot help but think that Duterte is doing this uh, to uh, no shit undermine his uh, his rival in Ferdinand Marcos. But um, with China, him being more friendly to China, and I think that he would be closer to the Spratly Islands chain. And uh, so he would definitely be the type to just let them have it, and of course the uh, Filipino government's not going to allow that. But yeah, this this is a pretty nasty way to uh, sow some discord, man. Dangerous stuff. It sounds like this is uh, the pact with uh, the U.S. We've had one with the Philippines for a long time. Canada's now on board here. And uh, Vietnam as well. So fun. Okay. (laughs) Um, The fun does not stop in the Philippines. It never fucking does. Let's see here. There. This was a recent thing where some hackers were trying to break into a few different high level agencies. uh, In the Filipino government, as well as some high level individuals. Uh, particularly the president, among others, so that's kind of spooky. Now, the well, this is a fucking mouthful here. The Department of Information and Communications Technology is, uh, yeah, the DICT. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Renato Baraiso is the head of the of that agency or whatever. Uh, "Quote: We are not attributing this to any state, but using IP addresses, we pinpointed it to China. Now, now, wh- what? Uh, further information on this is that that IP address block, which is how uh, they're they're segmented by regions, um, like the entire globe, like there are particular regions um, like blocking China or what any other regions refer to as geo-blocking." Uh, so, right. So the, the set of addresses that those hack attempts came from are owned by the Chinese ISP, the service provider, that uh, Unicom, which is a state-owned uh, utility, I guess. So while the Filipinos... Uh, but ISO is trying to make it trying to play a little bit more diplomatically with uh, saying that they're going to be appealing to the Chinese government to help, you know. I'm not saying it's you, but they're doing it on your stuff. So if you if you know about it, why don't you uh, can you can you help us out with that? Yeah, so the Yeah, does that I don't know if you're if ISP is owned and operated by a government entity for everyone. Yeah, I mean, all sorts of bad actors are going to be doing shit. So, Uh, yeah, I guess it's the right play. Um, A flood in the Philippines. Uh, uh, At least 20 are confirmed dead at the moment. Um, still more missing. Um, flood uh, heavy heavy rains over the last uh, like couple of weeks week I think it's like a week and a half, but causing a lot of floods and landslides. Um, 8 hundred and twelve thousand people have been uh, displaced by this and 85,000 of those are uh, taking refuge in regional evacuation centers as much as i wanted to say it was this is a pretty standard for the philippines it's not like it's not ov- overtly caused by climate change or you know climate a symptom of climate change this is uh, this is just like standard ba- this is baseline for philippines unfortunately something like uh two dozen approximate uh, Tropical storms hit the Philippines in any given year. It's pretty nuts, uh, but there you go. That's uh, that wraps up the Philippines. All right, making good time. Um, moving to Myanmar or Burma, whichever you prefer. I looked into that. The so Burma, when the military. Uh, overthrew the government uh, something like 50 years ago. Uh, so after that, there were horrendous human rights abuses, violations, and all kinds of terrible shit happening at the hands of the military junta. So they tried as a to try to appear to be doing better. They uh, changed their name to Myanmar, which is... In their language, uh, that Burma translates to Myanmar. So they didn't really change it at all. Uh, They just, I don't change the language, like uh, Germany and Deutschland. That's, I think, a good analogy. But, but like changing their name to Myanmar, everyone, nobody bought that for a second. Like, oh, it's a more inclusive term. (laughs) <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, include everyone on in your fucking killing fields. Uh, right, so there is a problem, actually, with the junta right now, where a lot of the populace, and what's most notable is the pro-junta population, um, like online, or, online people of... Uh, influencers, I guess, um, and also community influencers like uh, religious leaders and stuff and other, and even pro junta journalists I I expect you can't really be anything but pro junta but anyway, so they're all starting to call for the current uh, I think they, they use the term commander in chief um, but 67 year old General Mean ung oh fuck, it's H-L-A-I-N-G that's uh Hlang. I think I got it. I'm just going to go with general mean. Uh, so the mil- the military has been dealing with a lot of rebellions. We've talked about them before. Um, uh, there are, there was a good portion of it that was mediated by the Chinese. They brokered the peace talks and those are still working. Um, Uh, Like, it's complete self-interest. They only negotiate or help negotiate the shit at the border between uh, Myanmar and China. So we talked about this one. I believe we talked about it at length. But the rest of the country is still in turmoil. Um, ethnic, Ethnic minorities are the militias that are rebelling against the junta and the junta has since lost uh, lost control of 35 towns um and what is it they've they started in october they called it operation uh, 1027 for whatever reason i don't know what the significance of that is maybe because it started in october 10th so it started on the 27th i guess i don't know but yep, this is uh, the junta has been in power for upwards of fifty years, and this is the first time that the pro junta population has been speaking out against it in a serious way. So yep, uh, the the junta is starting to use a lot more heavy firepower, like uh, airstrikes, heavy artillery, against the the different militias and there's apparently there's a shadow government so that's pretty cool i guess the resistance has a lot more structure so that's fun not fun at all <laughs> just to clarify i don't know just in case one of those uh enlightened centrists is you know anarcho centrists is going to tell me about my uh you're just a fucking two you're still playing the the two sides game We'll get. I'll get to that more, I guess, in the U.S. edition because this isn't the time or place. Okay. Now, Indonesia presidential campaign I th- should be soon. Um, what's today? The 6th? So, yes. Next week. Next Wednesday. Uh, uh, um, what is it? The poll. There's a poll conducted by uh, Indicator Politic Indonesia is the name of the group. Uh The current defense minister, his name is Prabowo Subianto. He, his uh lead expands uh, to just under half, and that number is important. He's at, like, 49% and change. So his running mate is uh, Bigron Rakabuming. Goodness gracious. Uh, he is the son of the current president, Joko Widodo. Uh, we talked about Joko a while back with that high-speed train that the Chinese built out there, um, right? So I think having the son of the current president is, you know, it's a good, uh, good running mate to have, especially if the current president is popular, which he is. Um, Jakarta government Anies Baswedan is polling at approximately twenty-four percent. Central Java. Governor Ganjar Pranowo, approximately twenty-one. Mm-hmm. So that forty-nine percent is is key for Prabowo in his bid, because they require the Indonesian government requires fifty uh, percent plus one to to win uh, to, to win it outright, and that's of two, uh, 205 million, uh, registered voters. And if they, if one of them doesn't get the simple majority on their own, then they have to do a runoff. The top two get a runoff and that's in June. Good times are being had by all. Okay. India. This one was kind of interesting to read about the temple that was Oh, it's been up and running for like two, three weeks at this point. But the the Hindu deity Lord Ram, 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 I'm going to go with Ram, uh, opened, it opened already. Uh, there was a consecration ceremony. Um, something interesting is that like this is a deity, but there this is the... According to legend or myth or whatever, this is the place where Ram was born on earth. I don't know. So, the BJP is that's the uh Bharatiya Janata Party, they're Hindu nationalists. Um, this was a promise that uh Narendra Modi, the current prime minister, made uh back when he was still when he before he was running for uh. Like, high office. This was a promise he was already talking about. Uh, Now, he's going to be running for his third term. The elections are in a few months, in May. And if I'm not mistaken, this, while it's not prohibited, it's highly irregular for a PM to run for a third term. Not sure why they do that, but why they do or don't, I guess, but uh, so, back to the temple. In the early 90s there was a mosque that was erected there and that was like, ooh, 500 something years ago? So it'd been there for a while. (laughs) And in the 90s uh, a mob of Hindus uh, destroyed the whole fucking thing and they uh, called it that the, they they said that the spot was holy for Hindus before the Muslim uh, the ethnic group Mughals that are the Muslims destroyed the Hindu temple in that was in the spot and that was in like fifteen twenty something fifteen thirty it maybe it's a long ass time ago. Um, the Supreme Court of India in twenty nineteen pretty much told the Muslims to eat shit and like they allocated the land like by mandate to the Hindus for this purpose and the Muslim community they took it with uh, a bit of grace you know that's good Uh, the exact words from Zufar Ahmad Faruqi He's the head of the Indo-Islamic Cultural Foundation. His words here is, The construction of the temple is going on as per the direction of the Supreme Court, so we welcome it. I don't think there's any feeling of ill will in the Muslim community. So that's nice. Uh, The temple project was approximately $180 million, um, something in the neighborhood of 15 billion rupees. And the new mosque being built is 15 miles away. So there, I did hear some interviews with uh, just you know run-of-the-mill local people, Muslims in particular, um, that about this mosque being built so far away, there there's a distinct feeling of being unwanted. uh, Not at all an unfounded thing to perceive because what Modi is a very heavy handed fellow so this is actually a really a pretty decent outcome for the Muslims here I was they were like the their mosque uh, the funds for the mosque to be built remade elsewhere were uh, also I think they were part of the the temp, the Hindu temple project. So that I mean that's nice. Could've could have been a lot worse for the Hindus there, but still, um, Modi's a dick. <laughs> no other way around it unfortunately. Modi's a fucking dick. Um, um how did we talk about No, we talked about something about the Kashmir region. So moving along, something in uh, in North Korea, Uh, the the South and North Development Institute, uh, they go by Sand. (laughs) Fucking fantastic. Two teenagers were sentenced to twelve years of hard labor in North Korea. Fuck, that sucks. For and the, their crime was having p- possession and having also viewed it multiple times. I'm certain, but having possession of K-pop music videos and South Korean movies. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, the video is uh, from about 2019-2020 and it was just like it just came to light a few weeks ago or a few months ago Um, what is the the narrator I believe this was for um, I think the narrator is speaking in like the courtroom or whatever where they're being sentenced and the words that were being said were they were seduced by foreign culture and it ended up ruining their lives. Ah, no, that was the video narrator, not the courtroom, sorry. There were also some young ladies that were going to be sent to prison for having South Korean hairstyles. Let that shit sink in. Their hairstyles. (laughs) I don't think they got 12 years. Uh, but, (laughs) um, now you're, you, maybe you're wondering, maybe you're not. I'm going to tell you either way. Hairstyles are moderated by the government? Question mark? Why? Why? Yes. Yes, they are. There are less than 10 permitted hairstyles for men and less than 20 for women. Um. As I read, uh, because it, it's uh, state mandated, uh, the state, the, bar, the salons and barbershops are also run by the state. So you, you North Korean fucking citizen, you walk into wherever or you make your appointment, then you show up and you just point to the one you want because <laughs> that's all you get. <laughs> oh. And uh, they're mandatory reporters. If they ask for something different, then the barbers have to report it. That's what the sand uh, people were saying. (laughs) So a quote from the president of the Sand Institute and the director of political, or doctor of political science and professor at Tokyo University, Choi Kyung Hui of I nailed that one. I lived there, so I, I got that one good. Um, was, this is actually a defector from North Korea, defected in 2001. Um, so their words. Judging from the heavy punishment, it seems that this is to be shown to people across North Korea to warn them. It appears this lifestyle of South Korean culture is prevalent in North Korean society, what is troublesome for Kim Jong-un is that millennials and Gen Z people have changed their way of thinking. I think he's working on turning it back to the North Korean way. Yeah, make an example of a couple people and see how little they want to deviate from the state-mandated plan. Um, I have heard people talk a lot or have seen conversations on the internet, at least, of people wondering if war with Korea were to happen, what would happen to the people? Like, because military, their their military is running on fucking duct tape and uh, hopes and dreams. There's not a whole lot that they have um, on their own. I'm not including um, China or Russian support. So they themselves, they have, I think the estimations are they have enough fuel and ammunition and stuff to sustain combat for with South Korea for like a month. And it's being pretty fucking generous. Um, so you can expect. There's a, there it's mandatory service, compulsory service. I think men have to serve like 10 years or something. And women have to serve seven. That was the last time I checked. So you have to wonder what I see. People wonder is just how indoctrinated is the population after their military service, because while they're in, there's not a fucking chance that they're going to speak out on anything. But the question always is, what happens to the people if South Korea were to invade North Korea for whatever reason? Uh, what would the civilian population do? Because that, thats a big, big—it's uh, a big question mark. So it's, it's going to be a real test of. It's going to—we're going to find out real quickly just how deeply uh, brainwashed. I don't know why it took me so long to get that word, but how deeply brainwashed they are. The estimations that I've read throughout my time uh, is that the further away you get from Pyongyang, the capital, the more likely it is that while you're probably not going to be greeted as a liberator or anything like that, or like you're not going to be met with applause or anything, Chances are likely that if nobody's watching them, which like the further away you get, the less uh, monitoring there is. That they're more than likely just gonna like move out of your way, and they're going to. St- it has to be a critical mass of, of people that you know make the shift. It has to be of. They have to see each other doing it, so it's just a matter of who's the catalyst. But I, I think that there's going to be, there would be a lot of people that would uh, fight the North Korean government. Um, Not maybe not the military because you know, like those are their cousins and brothers and sisters and shit. So maybe not them, but the the uh, government themselves would definitely be a a target for the civilian population, like, anybody who, who would tell you that they, that they would just run at you with a fucking table knife, if that's all they have, you're, like, you've only seen YouTube videos of Pyongyang, that's all you've seen, is, like, state-run media, that's not, they're not all like that, for sure, um, they're not, they, they would, um, if they knew nobody was watching or anything, or if they knew that they weren't being recorded by anyone, like there, they, there have been some um, secret tapings of people, like speaking their minds, and they're saying that the majority of them know that this, like, what they're—it's a facade. It's bullshit. They know it is, and they know that life is good everywhere else. They know that. South Korea is not like some uh, puppet of the U.S. at all. We're good allies, yeah, but that's um, mostly to the benefit of of uh, South Korea. So I think a lot of them would kind of step out of the way. Yeah, long round, long way to. To get to that point, but I I wouldn't worry about them too much. Um, there will be some who are, you know, whatever, like to the death. Uh, but the the bulk of them would not because uh, they're pretty fucking tired of the life they have, and they don't they see through the 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 illusions that the that the state puts in front of their eyes to try to keep them in fear of us, of the West, of South Korea. They get it. They know. Uh, Right. Korea. Of North. They have been testing new cruise missiles. And they've been... They've had four tests in the last week on both the east and west coast. So the um the KCNA, that's a Korean Central News Agency, it's a state-run media in in the north. They've been referring to these as strategic cruise missiles. And what has been inferred by experts is that these are being these are newer models of uh, nuclear payload delivery so spooky stuff um, recently Kim Jong-un was he visited some of some ports some of the naval ports that he has uh, his term his, uh, his phrase here, or his saying here is strengthening naval force is the most important issue in pushing ahead with war preparations woof Uh, It's how is it how is it that in a country that has to ration because they have to devote all of their resources to military war preparation. So a lot of people fucking starve so much, so much so that they are genetically distinct from South Koreans. (laughs) <laughs> That's how much famine they've had to endure. Uh, they are on average four to six inches shorter than South Koreans. And so now the point that I'm trying to make or the, the main question I'm trying to ask is how is it that the people starve? They have to go hungry. And how the fuck is Kim Jong-un so fucking fat how does he continue to get fatter how in the fuck is he such a big tub of shit how is it possible that's what i mean when i say like these people see what's happening like they they might be uh cut off from the world but they're not stupid so like they're uncertain of where their next meal is coming from while homeboy is still he's drinking fucking crevassier that's more than the GDP of the entire country or something. I don't know. I don't know the prices of that shit, but you get what I mean. <clears throat> right. Wow. Okay. Um, let me try to... I think I might be able to breeze through these a little bit, but this is a Taiwan stuff. Just catching up since the election. Um, like I said, Lai Ching-tae, the current vice president, uh, William Lai... Is the president-elect? He won with approximately forty percent of the vote. the The, the um, Democratic Progressive Party (DPP) they lose the majority of parliament. The current president, uh, just a uh, a little bit of a measurement here, the current president uh, Tsai Ing-wen, he won his re-election bid with over 50% of the vote. So that's uh that's a bit of a distinction. It's a bit of a drop in um, you know, deep uh, William Lai has been running on the idea of being maintaining the status quo. That was one of his major party platforms. So for that to drop that significantly because he's the vice president right now okay so and he's the heir apparent to the current president who was very popular it's uh it's a bit odd i think less people are satisfied with the status quo uh, mm, mm, mm. he another one of his points his like platform points were his resolute he is resolutely going to defend Taiwan's sovereignty from threats and intimidation, his words. Uh, But he has also tried, he's been doing the most, trying to make it clear that he is open to dialogue with China. Um, He's not 100% against any sort of relationship with them, but the premise is that they meet on equal footing that they're both sovereign nations meeting together. And naturally, China's not going to go for that. Uh, the uh, Taiwan Affairs Office, it's a fucking ministry in Beijing. <laughs> they have their own department of government. Said that the uh, the DPP winning the presidency, again, uh, that it, quote, cannot represent the mainstream public opinion. Our stance on resolving the Taiwan question and realizing national reunification remains consistent, and our determination is as firm as a rock. I... um, I'm going to be honest with you. And I I say this all the time. I fucking hate when people do World War II uh, analogies. I, I don't like it. But when I hear resolving the Taiwan question... It makes me think of Mein Kampf and resolving the Jewish question. That's uh, that's why that phrase makes me a little uneasy. Like, uh, our stance on resolving the Taiwan question is what putting troops on the ground, a gun to everyone's head. Like, are you is Taiwan a sovereign nation, or is it not, or is it a part of China? And you blast anyone who disagrees. Or who doesn't give the right answer? Um, that's one hundred percent me making that up. That has no basis in reality. Just what my mind comes to when I hear the Taiwan question. Um, hmm. Now, speaking of the Taiwan question, <laughs> the there have been repeated incursions from China to. Uh, Crossing the Taiwan Strait, which China refuses to acknowledge it uh, as a true uh, national boundary. And so they've been on the 17th, just after the election was decided, uh, 18 Chinese Air Force planes uh, crossed and went all around Taiwan. Saying that they were just... They were conducting joint combat readiness patrols with the Navy. Fun. And um, actually today... Earlier today... The Defense Ministry uh, announced another detection of nine uh, Chinese Air Force craft that crossed the Taiwan Strait. So um, it is par for the course... Uh, they do this shit all the time. I think it's they're I think partly trying to uh, build some complacency in Taiwan. But the 18 with naval ships standing by as well—that is a pretty significant show of force. So that in itself—that is not uh, normal. Wait, they do this every time. There's they—they've been ever since the DPP has been winning. Um, the presidency, they've been doing stuff like this. So I guess it is fuck. <laughs> what a shitty situation. Uh, but uh, mo- more fun, I think, last week. More fun for Taiwan, anyway. They did a pretty large show of force where they demonstrated some Air Force tech that they have that is some different planes that are one, able to detect subs. Pretty deep and from pretty far away, and then other other uh, planes that are able to carry immense air to ground, but specifically into the water. That sort of payload to attack any subs that you know go wrong, go awry. Now, a lot of it, it, it like when I was reading this, it read like a fucking advertisement how much they were talking about different defense contractors. And I'm not going to give them any of my breath. Fuck them. Uh, okay. Now, one last thing on Taiwan is there was a flight path that, what do they call it? It's, uh, they call it Mark 503. That's the name of, that's the name of the flight path that China uses that, it they changed the flight path and it's now uh, crossing into Taiwanese airspace, so you know disrupting the status quo, as a uh, president-elect lie likes to say. Um, so the new routes would be a seven-kilometer incursion in the Taiwanese Strait, the mid the midline, the midway point. So, because of that, the Taiwanese air defenses would be triggered, high alert. You know what I mean. Um, but they, the Taiwanese Defense Ministry, specified that this they could accommodate this change in flight path, but were insistent that if they do, it's just a matter of time before the Chinese do it again. Mm -mm -mm. Chinese insist this is a civil easement on the route called Mark 503, which is typically used for civilian flights. And like I had said, they insist there is no midway line, uh, so they're not violating any airspace. They're only in their own airspace uh, in an indirect way. But uh, this is the third time they've done this since 2015 um as the taiwanese defense ministry said if they if they change their protocol to accommodate this change in protocol from their from the chinese then it's just going to keep happening until they get closer and closer and closer Um, the taiwanese mentioned they kind of flexed a little bit saying that any unauthorized flights uh that go into their air defense identification zone, ADIZ, I guess it's their own demilitarized zone in a way, in a different way, I guess, maybe not at all. Um, will be quote dealt with in accordance with operating procedures and emergency regulations to ensure Taiwan's safety. Fun. Um, I have to say that I admire Taiwan's restraint cuz this happens it's like every fucking week there's two or three stories exactly like this maybe not with the uh, a big change in a uh, civil aviation protocol but like those kinds of incursions from the Chinese happens all the time so that's that's some serious restraint. I cannot help but think that there are some international partners in their ear saying, like, "Hey, be cool, man. Um, if it, if the shit pops off, you know, we're we're we got your back. So just just gotta hold it together. If they do something, hold it together for a few days, and we'll be there. <laughs> um, so that's that's nice. Uh, Philippines is right there. (laughs) The the homies are ready to roll, son. Oh, boy. Uh, I cannot say that I would like this to happen. (laughs) I don't know why anybody would. It's... It's weird. Well, it's not weird. It's like China has a lot of the world fucking by the nuts you know what i mean they major trade partners with a lot of people and if people like a lot of these are like former formerly colonized nations so they feel some kinship with taiwan and I like guatemala's new president he ex, he's uh, actually dialing down his relationship with china and turning it up with taiwan like that's the exact point i was getting to is that this is that's what they would like to do cuz they identify with the taiwanese more than the chinese so i guess we have to keep watching right um let's see if you're one of those fucking enlightened anarcho dummies and you made it this far thanks I'm not sorry that I called you dumb because you do it to me anyway so whatever regardless uh, if you have if there's questions or anything on what what I talked about um, 833 Lux pods if you text or call it's anonymous if you call it goes straight to voicemail um, if you're okay with me cutting your audio in, I will do that. If you want, if you would like for me to address it, quote unquote, on the air, but, huh, I think, what else? LVXMedia.net is where everything is. But if you go to ProgressivePatriots.us, that will take you directly to the uh, prog pets portion. Um, we have a merch James shop. I don't think stopped. that there's oh, anything. Uh, Progpats in there yet. LVXmedia.net slash shop. If you would like to see. Uh, if uh, if you have any ideas, I'm, I'm open to it. Ooh, What else? LVXmedia.net on social media. That's where if you can't find it, we're not on it. Uh, it helps a little bit. It helps a bit to interact with social media. But what helps the most is... Uh, if you leave a rating, wherever you're listening, um, if you're not feeling a fiver, if you're not feeling like you're going to drop me a five star, uh, text me. Let, me. let me know why. Because uh, I would rather hear what issues you have and try to improve and earn the remaining stars to get to five. So um, if you have the time, I wouldn't. I would love a, a review if it's funny or something. I'll read it out here. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's going to do it. Um, I'm going to have to come back again. I say it, yeah, I've like broken fucking record, but I'm going to try to be back because there's a lot of shit in Europe that's going on. Uh, Africa, I'm sure, has continued to be terrible, <sighs> not by their own doing Entirely. Um, the heat wave in Australia that I talked about before. It's... Uh, it's the shit's still going. And it's... The uh, brush fire risk is getting worse. So, I don't know. Get your... Um, f- uh, what fucking celebrities were did it for the last time? Like, everybody's wearing fucking bracelets and shit. Or whatever. Like, but I'm certain that those same people... I'm sure that they're going to pay plenty of attention to uh, the situations in Philippines or uh, Africa. Right, uh, if you are able to help in, these are all um, just donating money, that's what I got. Um, these are, all of these are good organizations, I looked into them. Yeah, uh, a bit, quite a bit, and I've uh, made sure that you're. This is going to do the most good with however much you're able to give. And so, the shorthand link, as always, lvx.at. But it so after after lux.at/slash, and then you put in whichever one: Afghanistan, Myanmar, Sudan, Congo, Palestine, Ukraine. So. Um, yeah. Um, one more thing, if you would like to get involved. Um, there is, if you're a veteran, this is a veterans group in particular, so um, the it's called Common Defense. It's a U.S.-based national thing. Uh, while they don't put a lot of emphasis on foreign policy not a lot um mostly just being like uh, pro pro peace kind of thing um anyway they don't put a lot of emphasis on foreign policy but the types of people that common defense tries to push they, they uh endorse them for office help help them with their campaigns and stuff those are the types. Of, those are the types of candidates or who, if they were to take office, would try actively try to help these kinds of situations that I described, or or in the nations that I listed. Anyway, so if you want to do that, uh, lux.at slash cdef, c d e f, for common defense. If you do join, um, the the they have like a monthly uh, big old Zoom session for everybody to get together. Uh, we kind of, I don't whatever. If you join, you'll see, um, you'll see what it is. And if you do, though, if you do and you go to one of the meetings, let them know I sent you. Because we, we I, you and me, uh, we might get uh, like a T-shirt or something. Like it's a Vets, I think it's a Vets Against Trump T-shirt. I would very much like one. Um, and I would rather not have to buy it. <laughs> not that I wouldn't because if it's gonna come if it comes down to it I'm gonna buy it but if we can get one for free I mean why not So there you go that's gonna do it Thank you very much for listening I appreciate your time and uh yep we'll see you next time